Oh, I completely screwed up that joke. I was going to say basically Dick didn't run a good, a tight ship. It's the H-Dog Pod with your host, Michael the Hound Dog Harrison. Hey, welcome to the very special episode 50 of the H-Dog Pod, the KJ Wright edition of the podcast. He's been a Seahawks linebacker since being selected in the fourth round in 2011 and was a part of their Super Bowl winning team and continues to play at a very high level. He was always an underappreciated star of that defense when they had the Legion of Boom and with big personalities like Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, and also great players like Michael Bennett and Bobby Wagner. Wright helped the Seahawks make the playoffs for the eighth time in nine seasons this year, something I don't take for granted in a league where things change, good or bad, on a dime. Something I also don't take for granted is that I'm on the scintillating good word, milestone 50th episode. As much as I do rip on how milestones are dumb, I must confess that perhaps I'm ever so slightly thawing on my hatred for them. Eh, maybe. It is a pretty cool accomplishment to have recorded 50 of these episodes in just under a year, the first episode I released on January 18th, 2020. I couldn't be doing it without my right-hand man, Grant Nabesy Roberts, who was on episode 22 as a guest. He edits the podcast together to make me sound less awful than I am. And like I said, I don't take it for granted. <laughs> Get it? Granted. <laughs> He's back joining me today. So without further ado, let's get cracking. Okay, now welcome back on Grant Nabesy Roberts. You may remember him from when he was on episode 22 with a legendary tale about being forced motorboated by Shirley MacLaine. He's the audio aficionado at TSN and edits these podcasts together. Welcome back to the H-Dog Pod, Grant. Hey, thank um, Asked. Whoa, your, your audio cut out there. No, sorry, I wasn't. That was just an old audio joke. Oh, you got me. You got me good there. <laughs> I really honestly thought, oh my god, jeez, well done. Well I've, done. I've heard a couple where it's happened. No, you know what? I don't do that as well as Chevy Chase does. He does that in a movie. It was probably it probably came out right around the same time you were maybe you were born. You were, have you heard of a movie called Spies Like Us? I don't believe so no oh man it was kind of panned at the time but i think it's kind of gained a cult following since because whenever it's someone posts a line on it on twitter everyone they get hundreds of comments of quotes from the movie on it kind of thing it was my favorite comedy growing up i think i saw it in the theater four times i've probably seen it another 30 or 40 since but i love movies where you it has like comedy technical jargon you can you can try to memorize mm-hmm. Um, there's this one like Dan Aykroyd. So it's Dan Aykroyd and Chevy Chase are the main guys, you know, SNL guys. And there, there's a scene where Dan Aykroyd's character is kind of trying to get ringed out by his captain inside, deep inside the Pentagon. And the captain's trying to say, well, have you done this? Have you done this? Have you done this? And he's like, yeah, cause he's bored and he hates his job. And the captain says like, well, but that was a static filled triple scrambler microwave transmission of two soldiers talking in Mandarin Chinese. And Dan Aykroyd's character replies, Well, the Chinese were only using a simple polyphonetically grouped 20 square digit key transposed in booster photonic form with multiple nulls. (laughs) Yeah. And that is my all-time favorite quote of a movie. (laughs) Well, that's, uh, I I certainly, uh, no question, but I've never heard that one. I didn't mean to go sidetrack on that, but (laughs) I just want, that, that, that's why I did it, Evie Chase. That's funny. Uh, It's funny you mentioned movies because uh, I tweeted out, I think it was a week or two ago, now that we're into Christmas season, uh, Home Alone 1 and 2 are obviously amazing Christmas movies, but my ex thought they were terrible, along with Happy Gilmore, which, oh my God, that I just couldn't understand that. It made no sense to me. Uh, do you have any movies that you love, like the, just like the one you mentioned, that like 
uh, for some reason, uh, you've heard some people hate on, and you're like, what? How could you possibly hate that? Yeah, Happy Gilmore, that's a staple of when I first moved into my own apartment. That's all I did was watch that movie because it made me laugh. So oh. you obviously know the movie well. You know the guy who plays Doug, the tour commissioner? Yep. He's the director of the movie. Oh, really? I had no idea. Yep. Yeah, um, I don't know about other movies Doug. that people, like, it's weird because, like, there's a lot, like, Spice Like Us, like, it was panned and, you know, kind of really critiqued badly at the beginning, but since have been, you know, kind of become a, a, like I said, a cult following. But, I mean, some of my favorites just overall, of course, Shawshank, and I don't know if you've ever seen John Carpenter's The Thing. That was the scariest movie I've ever seen in my I, life, man. I obviously know of it, but yeah, I've never seen it. And I, I always uh, also hated uh, horror movies as a kid. My my brother is much older than me, and he would force me to watch Chucky back in the day, which was just just scary and oh, terrifying. Yeah. Oh, my I don't God. know if I've ever seen that, but the John Carpenter's version of The Thing with Kurt Russell – I saw that when I was really young and I shouldn't have because it was all practical effects. So that's makes for me, that makes it even scarier and it still is the scariest movie I've ever seen. Yeah. That's uh, like I said, I haven't seen Dead that. Zone is pretty freaky too. I haven't seen that one, but uh, to me it'll always be Chucky just because as like a five-year-old kid or whatever, being forced to watch the Chucky movies, it doesn't exactly uh, lend itself to having some nice dreams at at night. Uh, I would say God. that would be impressionable. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, not so good. By the way, uh, now that we um, are on our milestone fiftieth episode, as you know, milestones. I don't usually love them, but it is pretty cool. Come on, I, you can't ignore this one. It is pretty cool. It is pretty. I will admit, I, I've like, I, not a lot of people hound out get to fifty podcasts overall. Period. You've done fifty podcasts inside of a year. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, I think we started early or mid January there, uh, as I mentioned off the intro. Um, yeah, it's uh, no, it is a pretty cool accomplishment, and uh, so I've sort of slightly thought as I as I mentioned off the top of this uh, episode, my my ways in the milestones. Uh, you know what, fifty is at least cool, right? Because it actually is a bit more. Whereas like thirty or sixty, eh, but fifty, okay, I'll, I'll give you that one. But uh, because of that, you have a surprise in store for me, and you want me to wait till the end of this uh, podcast, correct? Yes, I'm glad you teased it last at the end of your last episode. But yes, I have something for your listeners. I I'm sure they would appreciate, but I think you'll love too. Maybe when we start wrapping this up, I'll say, "All right, let's go to it." And I believe it'll be worth the wait. All right, uh, I'm excited uh, for that little teaser. Uh, if you will. <laughs> uh, let's talk about uh, your first job in the business way back, way way back in uh, 1952. Uh, your first job. Uh, uh, when you uh, you were an assistant sound effects uh, editor, it sounded like. Did you say 1992 or 1952? <laughs> I said I said 1952. <laughs> oh my god! Come on, <laughs> I, that's understandable because other than cameraman Glenn and probably one of the older guys you've had on your pod. I mean, yeah, I'm close to 50. I'm, I'm one of those guys who don't really feel like it. I'm happy I've got a full head of brown hair. I'm you know pretty well in shape. After this podcast, I actually have to stack a whole face cord of wood. That kind of thing. Brag. But if that means, yes, I'm older, and I've probably worked on shows that a lot of your listeners haven't heard of. But my first job was an assistant to the sound effects editor at a production company at CTV, the building we work at, called Glen Warren Productions. And the very first show I worked on, now technically it was a television show, but I actually worked in film. It was called ENG, which stood, that's a news term that stands for electronic news gathering. It's how you receive transmissions and tapes of news and stuff like that well there was actually a canadian television show called that and they showed the inner workings of the television newsroom and you know of course they had romantic stories beyond that and stuff like that (laughs) 
But the interesting thing is that where you work, and I say you because you work there the most, I'm only there once in a while, but where you work, that studio, and the offices that you and other your other coworkers have, that was the practical studio and offices of ENG. That that it was filmed there. Oh no way. Yep. So we used to when I first started, we went over and we recorded sound effects. Um, you know, phones going up and down and stuff. And so our job was, and my assistant to the sound effects editor was we would lay down sound effects on the show. Like if it's outdoors, you heard birds chirping. If it was inside of a car, you heard the the droning of the inside of a car and that, that kind of thing. Along with ENG, uh, I worked on it concurrently on another show called Cats and Dog. Now, Katz was spelled K-A-T-T-S. It was about this police officer named Henry Katz and his police-trained canine, which is a German shepherd. Okay, that uh, sounds like an interesting concept, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, Maybe. I don't think it's, I don't think it's, I don't think it's original, but it was Canadian content, so they used it, right? So when I started it, they were in what we didn't know was their last year. What this show would always do would, we always borrow off of next year's budget to do what's called ADR. Now, ADR, depending on who you ask, is called added dialogue replacement or automatic dialogue replacement. You know, when you're watching a movie or a TV show and you can you, you can tell that that line was dubbed. Oh, I love it. So my, we were talking about Happy Gilmore earlier, and uh, normally when uh, it'll be uh, Adam Sandler will say, the price is wrong, bitch, to Bobby Barker. Yeah. And he goes, yeah. goes, the price is wrong, Bobby. I love yeah, that line yeah, so much. Yeah, exactly. Even in that movie itself, right at the end, right before Happy has to make his, you know, his miracle shot to win spoiler the tour alert. championship. Yeah, spoiler. There's that line where um, Doug, the tour guy, says, "I'm afraid he's right. Take a shot, Mr. Gilmore." You know that line? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Obviously dubbed. That line, it's him, but he had to for some reason redo it. That's okay. called ADR, and we do that at the station. The actors from the show come into the station. And re-record them. As I said, they would borrow off of next year's budget. The problem was they didn't have a next year. They didn't have a budget. Right. They were so desperate to complete these last two shows of Cats and Dog and the Isla. They recruited all of us assistant guys to go in and just be like the off-camera cop who says yes, sir, or yelling as part of a crowd <laughs> and stuff like that. And the and what was terrible is that the first episode I had to do this for was an episode where we had to yell as a bullying group. We had to yell racial epithets at a at a Muslim schoolgirl because she was getting bullied. Oh, jeez. So they gave us a list of stuff to yell. I'm not going to repeat them. So that was, I, you, I felt dirty doing it. I think about it now and it's bad, but I understand the point they're getting across. She was being bullied and the 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 episode eventually ended in retribution for her or something like that. I can't remember. It was weird. I mean, there's another show, too, and not original, called White Fang. It's about this kid, and, again, a kid and his dog. <laughs> but the kid who started was this Canadian kid named James Wolvett, and he was well-known at that point for being in the Clint Eastwood movie Unforgiven. Except the TV show was terrible. <laughs> it was so formulaic. And I had no idea who movie stars were. Like, this kid, James, was in the movie Unforgiven, and I'm sitting in the cafeteria having lunch with him, having no idea. I'm like, and then I didn't watch Unforgiven until about 15 years later, realized how good he was in it and how good the movie was. And it just made you think like, oh, man, I, I would love to have asked him 
a million questions back then. Well, I'm sure it happens uh, with people, you know, work with like uh, singers and performers when they're younger, you know, when they're kids and stuff. And obviously then they eventually explode and be huge superstars. And you're probably like, oh, damn, I knew them before they yeah. were anything big. And then, you know, and then you know them later. You're like, oh, dang, like uh, yeah. I, I probably should have got their autograph or something like that, you know? Maybe. Yeah, that's just, but that's just being young and naive. And, you know, I mean, I didn't really know anything about the biz. I, I just, I was lucky that the way I got in and then I just kind of, you know, applied myself and improved, eventually got into the television side of it. But those, you remember those early days because everything's thrown at you that's new and you remember all the new stuff, especially having to yell slurs and stuff like that for the sake of a TV show. Yeah, that's, that's definitely wild. Uh, by the way, uh, I was basically trying to hint to you that you should get my autograph because I'm going to make it big time and I'm going to forget all about you and uh, just completely um, uh, turn my back on you. So uh, you should get that autograph pronto. Oh, not only that, I steal stuff from your booth when you're not there. <laughs> oh, well, really? Hey, well, interesting. Okay, the, the, the uh, truth comes out now, eh? Interesting. Is uh, what Jay told me to say. <laughs> uh, you also uh, you also worked in the Mike Bullard show back in the day, eh? Uh, you got to be some great stories from that. Yeah, that was, um, that was really fun. I mean, look, we'll acknowledge ahead of time a couple of years ago, and I actually think it was 2018, that Mike Bullard was convicted of what's called harassing communication, but mm-hmm. not dismissing that. I still would like to talk about the time almost 20 years before that I worked on the show. It was a really fun atmosphere to work on. The crew was great. Mike was great. Mike was kind of the guy who would prefer to hang around the crew than the suits kind of thing. Mm-hmm. When I would, when I first started, I got asked to, you know, audio assist, which is, you know, I, I put the mics on the guests and stuff like that. And this is one night, that Tom Green was on. You, may, you know Tom Green. Oh, yeah, definitely. And he was just, yeah, yeah, he was just becoming big. I mean, he's just becoming really big. This is, if I remember right, it's November 98. So he came on the show, and I'm there. I mic'd him up. He's, he's on the show. He's got this old-style suitcase with him, and he's kind of making really weird non-sequiturs of talking about his road trip down and stuff like that, and he brought his mascot named Scruffy. And he opens up this briefcase, and right away Bullard's like, "What is what's in there?" Mm-hmm. And he pulls up pulls his garbage bag out of the briefcase. He empties the contents of the garbage bag, and it's a dead raccoon. Okay. It's a real dead raccoon that he hit or found along the side of the highway from his trip from Ottawa to Toronto to do the show. And he brought it in, and the thing is days old, and it starts to stink. Oh my god. And the other guy, <laughs> Bullard's going to the other guest, don't come over here. And Tom Green's going on, just doing his thing. And he, in fact, part of the tail kind of rips off and he throws it behind him and, and into the set. And this is the first time that I think it's ever happened. We had to stop the show because you can hear it. Mike goes backstage and you can hear him start to retch cough. Tom, is there a dead thing in that bag? See, we went on a road trip this summer. Yeah. Oh, Tom, don't. Oh, Tom. Oh, Tom. Oh, Tom. I've got a new shirt. Don't come over okay? here. Okay? See, I put effort into it, right? I want to look good, okay? Peter, we had a field day down. This, by the way. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Crap. Yeah. And then the smell hit us backstage. And I tell you, you, do, you, do never, you never want to smell that. And they had to stop the showdown. They had to disinfect the whole area, leave, make the crowd leave, come back in about 40 minutes later, and continue the show. Oh, That's when I just 
when I first started on that show, <laughs> like, welcome to the day or to, I, to that show, you know? <laughs> yeah, I still remember that. You know what's bad? I still remember the smell. That's how bad it. That's how bad it was. And how do you like? Uh, obviously, he's just doing that as like a prank, as a joke, or whatever. Tom Green, but like, uh, like, did Mike Buller just chastise him afterwards, or how'd that go? No, I think he just played it off as, "Oh, that's Tom, classic Tom." Jeez. You know, I think so. Yeah, working that show was fun. Like I said, the crew was great. That's when I was micing people. What I eventually uh, started doing for the show was what's called monitor mixing. And that's for the bands. Like they would, the bands would come on the show and they would each have their own uh, monitor, like big speaker in front of them. What they would do, they, um, my job would be to tailor what they want to hear in their monitor via how much vocal level they want, how much guitar level they want, uh, depending on who the instrument uh, or the, who the person is uh, playing there. I like that job. And uh, one night, uh, this would have been like late 2002 blue Rodeo was on and it was their album where they had like strings and horns and stuff like that. So they brought everyone, they brought string players and horn players. And we only we're live at the time. So we pre set up everything. They rehearse. And then during the show, we only have about six minutes worth of commercials to get them all back in place and set up again. So we're running our asses off to try to get this done. And we think we're all done. We have about 30 seconds left. I run off to the side of the stage to get to my my, my uh, monitor board to get everything ready for the mix. And I do one of those one foot up in the, my one leg up in the air slip down, almost down the stairs. Oh, where I'm like, whoa. <laughs> and I literally land in the arms of Jim Cuddy from Blue Rodeo. <laughs> and Jim Cuddy says he's holding me and he says to me, he goes, Hey man, relax. Everything's okay. You don't need to die just for a song. It's everything's going to be fine. And for some reason, the only thing I could think of to say was thanks, Jim Cuddy. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Mista, Mista, get me out of here. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, geez. Yikes. But we, as I was lucky too, I actually got to, uh, a chance to actually play, on the show there was one night we and the crew like everyone from the crew always used seemed to play instruments and we would always have kind of backline instruments meaning that we would always have spares on on standby in case some of the uh, one of the bands showed up and said oh i need this i need this and we always have pretty well a whole section of instruments downstairs in the basement ready to go but whatever what the bosses would let us do is break them all out at the end of it at the end of a night and have a jam and just play and have a few drinks and just have a great time and there was one night where we're having fun. We're singing Brown Eyed Girl, originally by Van Morrison. And the the guy who runs Insight Productions, I think who does Big Brother Canada too, Hound Dog, his oh. name is John Brunton. He's having a good time. He goes, hey, listen, we don't have anyone booked as a band next week on this on Tuesday. Do you guys want to play this? And we kind of thought for all five seconds, we said, hell, why not? There's like There's literally 11 of us playing all congas and guitars and I'm playing drums and we have a singer and we have backup singers with a, you know, with shakers and tambourines and stuff like that. So we agreed. And so they decided to backfill us in our positions because all of us had positions that we all had jobs there and they actually went ahead and hired people to backfill us those positions so we could be the band for the night. 
So we got to hang out in the band room and enjoy the beer that you know bands get to have and stuff like that. And the problem was there's only about 25 people in the audience because it was May 21st, 2002, and that was the same night as Game 3 of the Toronto-Carolina game at the Air Canada Centre. Mm, yes. I of which, by the way, they lost 2-1 in overtime. Uh, didn't they lose three games, 2-1 uh, in overtime in that series, I'm pretty sure, including Game 6, Alex McGillian. They won a couple. And, yeah, they, Nick I mean, they tied late two. a couple of times. Yeah, so I, my, right? my memories are game they won Game 1, Game 2 in Carolina. Nick Walling yeah. scored the overtime winner. Then, yeah, Game 6, I think they did tie it up late. And then Alex McGillney coughed up the puck behind the net. For some reason, doesn't get any scorn from Leaf fans on that. And then that led to the game-winning goal. And then the series clincher, which uh, in game there six. You go. Arthur Zerbe. Oh, he stood on his head. Yeah. We had this one guy. His name is Peter uh, Campbell. He actually, his job is to crowd sweeten. He has this keyboard plus other little things that, um, and he's really good at it. Depending on if there's not a lot of people in the crowd or if a joke didn't play, he can add crowd laughter or crowd um, applause and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So if you heard the original audio recording of us playing, you're at the very end of the song, you barely heard any people cheering. La-dee-da. When you listen to the vi- the version that came through on air, it sounds like there's 400 people there cheering us on, and we're the best band that played that week. La-dee-da. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, he did a really good job of it. It was it was fun. Anyway, that being said, uh, it was a really fun show to work on, and I, and I enjoyed my time there. Uh, World Junior Hockey is coming up uh, here uh, in for the next couple of weeks. You've worked on that on the road a lot. Uh, what are some of your favorite memories of working on the road for that and some uh, Canada games, Grey Cups, different things like that? Yeah, as, as a studio guy, I really like going on the road. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. The, there are guys who live out of suitcases who really got affected this year by always being on the road. And that's their, that's their, that's their gig. They're always on the road and they're always in the truck and they're always away from home. And the audio guys, I can think of the top of my head guys, like Steve Cabritas, uh, Dave Ryan, Howard Bagley, actually Howard is currently my supervisor at the plant now. And he's got some stories, none of which we can really talk about, but um, go on, I really enjoy going on the road because as much as I enjoy working at the studio, it got you out. It was different. You get to learn new stuff. My first big one was February of 2007, and we did the Canada Games in Whitehorse. Well, that'd be kind of uh, cool to go there, yeah. Yeah. So think of it, February in Whitehorse. <laughs> so when we, the first week we got there, we wake up at 7 in the morning to get ready to go over to where, the, where we would uh, – have our studio and it was more it was minus 45 without the wind chill and some days they would have what's called ice fog which would just stick to your face and make you instantly colder that's the first thing i remember when we landed it was i've never felt that cold before <laughs> and we stayed <laughs> we stayed at a hotel called the gold rush inn it was actually what that it was called and the proprietor of the hotel was a guy named and his I'm not kidding you. His name was Dick Ran. Dick Ram? Dick Ran. Dick like Ran. D-I-K-R-A-N. Dick Ran. 
<laughs> Super nice guy. He oh, always said, hey, what do you need? Are you guys good? Come over to the bar. And occasionally he'd buy us around and stuff like that. And we said one night, we said, hey, listen, the bunch of us would like to have a game of poker. Could we use your boardroom if no one's using it? He said, of course, as long as I can join in. And we said, of course you can join in. Come in. So we're about an hour into playing, and we're in the boardroom with Dick Ran. <laughs> and out of nowhere, we started noticing some drips on the table. Just keep saying his and name, then, please, like several times in the story. <laughs> say his name like 10 times, please. Thank you. So we started noticing drips on the table, and then Dick Ran. He started noticing drips on the table, and there was getting more of a drip as more of a pour. And he looked up, and there's water pouring in from the floor above, <laughs> right on the poker table. And Dick Ran <laughs> says, well... That's not good. And I guess what had happened is some guy started a bathtub on the on the his room above us in the boardroom and oh passed my out. God. And it flooded the whole boardroom where we were playing poker. <laughs> you could say Dick did wasn't good at uh, oh I was going to say Dick didn't ra- oh I, I completely screwed up that joke. I was going to say basically Dick didn't run a good a tight ship but I, I, run, <laughs> I was going to say Dick and ran but then the run oh, I completely butchered that joke. God. No, you could say <sighs> well Dick ran he, uh, he, yeah, to see what the oh, problem was. I, I, I thought I had a hot joke there, and I completely butchered it. God. <laughs> but that was fun. I mean, besides that, extra besides it being cold, we did some cool extracurricular activities during the you know, two and a half weeks, almost three weeks we were there. We did some dog sledding, which I've never done before. That was cool. Um, we skied um, at a place called Mount Sema. I I like taking jumps. I took a jump thinking that it was clear on the other side. I landed right to a whole bunch of ropes that said closed. And the guy I was skiing with, Kenny, who was our TD at the time, he skied up. And I thought he was getting ready to go, hey, man, I'll help you out. But he said, hold on, don't move. And he took out his camera and took a picture of me. <laughs> that sounds like Kenny uh, McAndrews, I'm assuming, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That sounds like him. That's, uh, that's, that's funny. That was fun. It was a long trip. It was cold. I was glad to get back. But there's always – it's it's just neat being on the road. Um Starting when we got the rights to the Grey Cup in 2008, um, we would go on the road every year to do the uh, to do panel hits with at the time Dave Randorf and then Rod Smith, but we'd also be responsible for the Grey Cup Saturday setup. Usually it was at you know like a conference. Uh, what do you call it? It was a, a convention center. The first year was outdoor in Montreal, and that was cold that year. And Jen Hedger and Dutchie just froze their butts off. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the first one was fun. The next year we went to Calgary, and that was the year uh, Montreal beat. Saskatchewan the, uh, in, the, in the crazy 13th man game? Yep, that's the one. And that's, that's kind of how I remember it. But the one reason I remember it, because the Saturday night we didn't have anything to – we didn't have any production to do. So my cousin, um, Brian, who's living out in Calgary at the time, because her boyfriend at the time, now husband, was Steve Middleton – who's an offensive line for the Stampeders. So I said, hey, let's meet up, have a couple of drinks closer to where you are. She said, great. And I forgot, she can she can drink with the boys. <laughs> so we probably had four or five pints of you know beer each. She went home, I went home. I walked home, it was about 20 blocks to the hotel because I figured I needed to walk. I remember standing in the, hotel, in the elevator realizing, oh, I need to go to bed now. And I woke up the next morning and hound out, I have not had one this bad since. I had the worst hangover I've ever had in my life. And, and, and uh, she was the, fine. Were the percentage beers like high or was it just a normal percentage beer? I don't know. I, maybe it's just the – I think maybe I consumed them in a short period of time because she couldn't be out all night. 
that kind of thing. I've had that anyway, before. We had a show to record Sunday morning at seven o'clock in the morning. Oh, geez. I've had that before and, where uh, I remember a, year, a few years ago when I did, um, I was doing uh, the Going for Broke podcast and I, I, Rod Smith, uh, Smith was a guest the next day. And I literally only had about four beers that, the night before. But I think I just didn't eat a whole lot of food. Because I was like, oh, I don't want to have like too many calories or whatever it was. I was probably in some <clears> health <throat> kick or something at the time, so I didn't have a, a you know extra food. I was like, I'm gonna be smart with this. I'm not gonna have uh, you know all this McDonald's, which of course would be way more calories. So I only had like right. four beers, but I, I I've literally never felt any worse like that in my entire life. In the next morning, waking up, and I was like, I didn't even drink all that much. I've had way more before and felt way better afterwards. And I felt like such uh, an idiot. I'm like, oh my god, I'm interviewing Rod Smith. Uh, you know, the Taj Mahal, he's the greatest of oh, all. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I felt like so brutal. So, yeah, I, I definitely can relate to that story of, like, not understanding why uh, a few, a, only a few drinks uh, got you yeah, pretty pickled. Yeah, it was terrible. I mean, I was still walking to the truck that Sunday morning, and Lay's was a sponsor, and they had a huge, like, um, display of full bags of regular chips. And I know I don't think you're supposed to take them. I just took a bag because that's all I felt like eating that whole morning. 7 a.m. No, too. That, oh. that was our longest of all the Great Cups, uh, um, Great Cup Saturdays productions we've ever worked on. That Calgary one was the particularly was the longest cable run we've ever had to do. So try to imagine rolling all this cable up at the end of the day, 3,000 feet worth of each cable while you're trying not to be sick. And and then that night, I just because I wasn't flying out to the next day, I just laid in the hotel room, feeling sorry for myself, just eating chocolate, <laughs> watching the thirteenth man episode of the Great Cup happen. I thought you were going to say you're just eating uh, Lay's chips and uh, uh, while watching that game. Yeah. So for those who don't remember, was it Montreal and uh, Saskatchewan? I think it was well, definitely yep. Saskatchewan. I think it was Montreal, and uh, Saskatchewan yeah, had won the Great Cup because uh, the Alouettes missed a field goal at the end of the game, but. Yep. Unfortunately, uh, in the CFL, you can have 12 guys in the field. In the NFL, it's 11 guys. But uh, they had a, an extra guy, the 13th man in the field, which obviously is a penalty. Then the Alouettes had a chance to kick the uh, game-winning field goal, and they did, which is just the pretty much the worst way you can lose, knowing you you had the game won, but you accidentally had an extra guy out there. Substitution, too many men on the field, Saskatchewan. Oh my. It's a 10 yard penalty. We'll repeat first down. Duval gets a second chance. Ball down, ball through, and the Montreal Alouettes have come all the way back, and they are the 2009 Grey Cup champions. That's pretty nuts. And, was, and I mentioned the NFL there. Um, you got into the NFL this year, which is awesome because it's such an. Uh, a great league in terms of excitement and uh, the other nonsense that goes on behind the scenes in the NFL is terrible. But um, uh, I'm super jealous of you. You don't have a team, right? Like I, I, I love the Seahawks like crazy, as everyone knows, and it's so stressful. It must be so fun to watch the NFL not actually caring who wins. Yeah, well, to be honest, yeah, and it's probably a byproduct of COVID because you know the Leafs were in the playoffs for it seems like a day and a half, and that was it. And then. I just started like watching what good kind of marquee matchups were. I do like seeing teams do well who I know my friends like. Like I like seeing like I'll watch the Hawks and hope they win. I'll watch the Bills because a bunch of people I know at work who are Bills fans. I know a few people who are Steelers fans and they hope they win. But I'll be honest, when I was watching the Steelers Bills game a couple weeks ago, I was kind of cheering for the Bills. 
Um, and I don't have like you, like you said, I don't have a team. I don't. I'm not. I, I, I don't have a dog in the that's my team fight. I just like watching good games and hoping, you know, for a good game. And that's how I'm really enjoying watching the NFL. That it took me forever to do it because 20 years ago I was even oh god, it's NFL season. I hate it. But now I actually enjoy it. The, the you mentioned, of course, that you uh, cheer for teams that uh, your friends like. Do you have the opposite effect? I, I, there's definitely teams that I know of, people I know, and that I know they're huge fans of that team, and I actually actively cheer against that team just because I want that person to feel misery. No, I can't say I do. Mm, so I guess I'm no. A, I'm a bad I don't person. know I, the people I hang out with. I generally, with the exception of work people, are generally uh, like my friends that don't have, they don't, they don't watch the NFL. I'm probably of all of our kind of close friends from growing up. I'm probably the only one who does watch it. Oh, geez. That's a shame on them. Well, it took me forever too, right? <clears throat> shame on you also. Yeah. And I, I mentioned to you, uh, uh, especially if you don't have a team that you, um, are a fan of, uh, watch NFL red zone, uh, TSN, uh, app and TSN.ca. It's free. And it just whips you around to every single game, all the important moments, all the touchdowns from every game. The host, Scott Hansen, is super excitable, and he's just an, he does a masterful job. And you, it's seven hours of commercial-free free, uh, football. Because that's the thing. with yeah. Unless you have a team, like uh, if I'm watching my team, of course, I'm invested in it, and the game goes quickly because I care. But if you don't actually have a team that you're cheering for, I find the NFL can be a bit slow with all the commercial breaks and stuff. NFL Red Zone, no commercial breaks, all the important plays of every game. It's just the best way to watch football, especially if you're in fantasy football. But don't you have to be a TSN subscriber to get that? And don't you have to pay to be a TSN subscriber? No, it's uh, free on the app. Uh, and The way I watch it, though, I can't say 100%, but the way I watch it is because I have a Bell 5, and uh, there's an app on the actual um, uh, on the thing. You just, just click the channel. I think it's channel 1397 or something like that. And uh, I always connect my um, USB to the TV, and no problem. It's perfect quality, perfect audio, perfect video, everything, and uh, no problem at all. It's just the greatest. I know. You've told me about that a few times, and I haven't done that yet. But maybe that's where I realized, oh, my God, now I'm, now I'm a slave to the NFL. I'm never going to wa- stop watching anything else. Just uh, <laughs> going into next year, because obviously you wouldn't do that for playoff games this year. That makes no sense. There is no red zone then. But going into next year or whatever – uh, and they might they might make it even more uh, obvious and accessible. It's a, for years it was on the zone, so you had to pay for like I had to pay like twenty five dollars a month for it. But uh, and it's been free this year, which is incredible. And uh, oh, it's just like I said, unless your team is playing, it's the only way to watch football. It's just the best. So you think it's it's actually bespoke of Ooh, fans who don't have teams? I think it, it originally uh, was sort of started for I think actually I saw a clip of when they started like twelve years ago or something like that. And it was just a way to sort of show up, sort of like an NHL um, on the fly back in the day and just sort of all the goals and all the important things. And then for, especially with the advent of fantasy football becoming a monster in industry, I think it's perfect for fans uh, you know, who don't necessarily care about the results of games, but they care about their fantasy football players. And, uh, and yeah, it's just like once you get into it, like I had a Scully who I call a moron um, uh, to his face several times because he hadn't ever watched uh, – uh, NFL Road Zone, and he watched it with me finally a while back, and he's just like, "Oh my god, this is incredible!" I'm like, "Yes, this is what I've been telling you for years, you clown." So, uh, yeah, maybe I'll. Call so you you're clown. Call, so what? What I'm getting from this is that I'm a clown. No, only because I haven't. Been, <laughs> I haven't been telling you this for years. If I've been telling you this for for years, and you uh, at least were like a bit of an NFL fan, because Scully was sort of a bit of an NFL fan before. You said you weren't. Yeah. If you were yeah. a, a bit of an NFL fan for years, and I told you about it for years, then I definitely would be ripping you. But you know what? 
I think uh, I'll, I'll pass on that uh, and say you are not a clown as of yet. <laughs> no, you literally been only telling me about it for weeks. And I actually mean literally not figuratively. You've actually literally been telling me about it for weeks and I haven't done anything about it. Oh, uh, oh uh, it seemed like there you, you got triggered almost with the literally figuratively thing. Uh, what's uh, what's that all about? Uh, one of those, uh, do you hear that often? Oh, people... yeah. I, I can't stand it when people say, like, I'll take I'll take a line from a, a, a song by an artist named Father John Misty. He has a great line talking about this girl he met and he said, she said, you know, music is literally the air that I breathe. I was like, no, it's oxygen. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. figuratively breathe music because you like it so much. Yeah, it's definitely not literally. Yeah. Oh. 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 Where did yeah? Where did I hear that? I heard that recently. It's grammar said, talk again. Yeah, well, it's, it's it's fun, especially because I'm sure throughout this entire episode, I, I probably have uh, had a few faux pas myself, which is the best. Oh, part. like I, I like I said last time, I'm sure I'm sure I have today too, as I'm sure I've done all week. But like all uh, my life, you know, there's there's small minor ones that uh, happen, but uh, that are that are real bad. That's one, of course, that drives me crazy. It's really bad, not real bad, but uh, there's some that are just egregiously, horrendously brutal. Uh, you know, uh, don't take a personal. Uh, I think I, r- I ranted about that one last time. Uh, yeah. Uh, th- those types of ones just drive me crazy because it's like it's not even. Oh my god! And then uh, I started a um, a podcast, uh, YouTube podcast, Bro Ceremony with Adam Scully, uh, where we talk about the Bachelorette. And the lead uh, woman on that is Tasha, and she instead of saying vulnerable all the time, she says vulnerable. Like she she misses the L in that word. Ew. Oh, it just, I, every time it drives me nuts. It's like, how can a producer not say, uh, by the way, it's vulnerable? Maybe you want to say the word correctly? <sighs> yeah, that's uh, that would completely turn me off, to be honest with you. Yeah. Speaking uh, of which, that bro, ceremony, that bro ceremony, hey, congratulations, by the way. And I like the production value of that web. Uh, do you call it a webcast? I guess it's a webcast. It looks really good. Well, thank you. I uh, appreciate that. I, I guess it's on YouTube, so I, I suppose it's a podcast on YouTube. But I don't even know the exact terminology on that. I'm, I, I think you'd call it a webcast, but again, I'm almost 50, and what do I know? <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's, we've done three episodes, and uh, you know, going to keep do, uh, doing a whole lot more here with um, episodes coming up. Uh, the finale, actually, this past week, and then uh, the new Bachelor season starts, I think it's January 4th, so lots to talk about for that, No, no question about that. Uh, do, you have, do you have any other um, things that bother you with uh, grammar? Uh, something to do with uh, uh, something to do with maybe historic? Oh God, yes, and historic. Well, I don't know why people say that. Like broadcasters say that, and historic. Mm. It's not. It's ahistoric. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think so. Not to drop names, but I'm going to. Good. A couple months ago, I was right before we were getting ready to do an episode of That's Hockey. Gino Red and I are having an argument with this. And he starts telling me, he goes, no, that's the rule. It's A before, it's A-N before H, anhistoric. I said, no, you're making it sound like there's no H when you say anhistoric. Mm-hmm. I said, so does that mean when I go to an hockey game, I can stay at an hotel that night after I watch it? <laughs> and he kind of backed down there. He goes, well, I got to look this up. And I, I can't remember what happened to the result. But I think if, if you look it up, I don't think it sounds easy to say, anhistoric. But if you look at any newspaper headlines, they will always say ahistoric. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I can't believe – no, not that Gino's ever said it on air. I just – we just got an argument one day that that was wrong. Yeah. But I have heard other broadcasters say that on air. I'm like, yeah, that's – okay, that's – look it up. Yeah. Look it up. Well, the, the this isn't a grammar one. This is just one that uh, springs to mind. I remember years ago when my quarterback for the Seahawks was Matthew Hasselbeck, and his uh, last – four letters of his last name was B E. CK and so many broadcasters 
called him Hasselback with an yeah, A. Yeah, I remember that. Oh, my God. There's no A at the end of his name. What are you talking about calling him Hasselback? There's no A. It's an E. It's Hasselbeck. Oh, it, it, it happened all of the time, too, because, you know, he was a relatively decent quarterback, and that's when, the, when they went, made the Super Bowl against Pittsburgh when they got screwed by the referees. That's a whole other story, whole other, a whole other uh, podcast episode. But that, Or you mean that's a whole nother story. <laughs> yes, that's a good one, too. Uh, that was an historic Super Bowl that the Pittsburgh uh, was gifted by the referees on that one. Oh, God. It's funny, but you say that, too. And I always find there's a Simpsons line for anything. When I first started working at TSN uh, with my name, Grant Roberts, and we had another audio operator at TSN. His name is Mark Robertson. And I got asked at least two or three times, oh, are you related to Mark? And I, I would always say, no, we spell and pronounce our name differently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I used to go yeah. uh, back in the day when the premier of Ontario was Mike Harris. Obviously, I'm Mike oh, Harrison. Yeah. Uh, people would often, t- you know, make, make that joke with me or whatever, and I was like, ah, oh, cool, that guy's awesome. But I didn't know. But I was just like, oh, he's got the pretty much the same name as me. But so yeah, people would o- oftentimes just call me Mike Harris. Like, no. Son of Mike Harris. I get a lot, especially when people are talking to me and in le- in letters. I get people think my name for some reason is Robert Grant, so they always say Mr. Grant. Robert Grant, that's a job. I don't get it. That seems to be more <laughs> with my name than anyone else. I, I, I've, it's just the last ten years, especially I've noticed. I'm like they're just, they're just not reading or they're being lazy. That'd be funny if they called you Roberts Grant, and it's like what? Like that would be even more uh, next level uh, ridiculous. Uh, no question about that. Uh, before I get you, know, we we uh, talk about the uh, surprise you had for me. Uh, please do tell the story that you said in episode twenty two. Uh, but when you were forced motorboated uh, by uh, Shirley McLean, because that story was legendary. Oh, you like that story? <laughs> oh God, so good. Well, it was just she was just trying to be funny, and she's kind of you know rambunctious. But the only problem was I'm at the time 23, and she's I think 61. And this is Shirley McLean, who's won an Oscar. She's been nominated for an Oscar like five or six times. I think she's won four or five Golden Globes. And wow, when I went to changed the battery in her mic because the battery died. And as I leaned down, she grabbed my head and thrust it into her chest and <laughs> rubbed it around and forced motorboat at me. What, what would possess her to do that though? <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm, I still remember kind of, like I said, I stood up just absolutely shocked and my hair was kind of all messy and, you know, standing <laughs> up and, Sheesh. and, you know, most, the most women in the audience and Deanie Petty and, Sure, I'm kind of loved it, and I got <laughs> razzed about it forever by the guys on the crew. But you know, she's still around, and she's probably still that feisty and probably fun, and she's just trying to get a laugh. I, I mean, there's a whole lot worse things that could have happened to you, I suppose, uh, that day. Uh, so if you're gonna razz about something at work, that's a pretty good story, I would say, uh, for that to happen to you. Yeah, Hound Dog, I got razzed for a long time uh, <laughs> every day. How Shirley? Have you talked to Shirley? <laughs> What's Shirley like? Didn't you say your best man at your wedding uh, brought that story up too? Our MC did. Our MC did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. That's, uh, that's pretty crazy. Uh, well, uh, I guess, uh, Grant, it's been a, a blast talking to you again. Um, that's- hey, I love being on the pod, Hound Dog. But before we go, there's a surprise that I've sent you that I want you to play. Okay. All right. And you're going to listen to it as I insert it onto the podcast. Now, I'll just give you a little heads up all it is. And before, okay, so the music I used is like the most overused inspirational sports music people have ever used. <laughs> and when I did this, I did not know at the time that this week Sick Kids Hospital would come up with a campaign using this music. Oh, 
Okay. That being said, it's okay to use. So all this is is a little compilation I put together from past pods of your intros and outros. All right. Sounds good. Welcome to a brand new podcast. This is the H-Dog Pod. I am your host, Michael the Hound Dog Harrison. Grant, uh, the audio guy, the top notch, best in the biz. He very much helped me uh, getting this audio. I hope uh, much better and you can actually hear it a little bit better. Oh, uh, so how's your daughter doing? And I'm like, uh, be better. Make it seem like you're a real individual and a real human. How I was terrified by mud puppies. Did not see one at all, which was great because that just would have ruined my weekend pretty much. They are so disgusting and gross. I lose track of time so easily. I have to rank all of these characters to the top five of all time. Number one, Bean. I've had great friends brag back in the day. That makes it sound like I don't have any friends now. Dang. I just, did I just tattle on myself there? No, that's not sarcastic at all. Um, and I, I, I appreciate myself being honest with you. <laughs> Milestones are cool, right? Not really. It means nothing at all. Milestones are pointless, and they serve no purpose at all. They're just a nice round number. That's another story. I'll probably rant about that one. In fact, you could say I'm very, very gruntled, actually. No, that's a word. Trust me, look it up. Words are funny like that. Words that you normally hear one way and not the other. Like words like uh, whelmed or shoveled, ruly. Eyes peeled? That expression has always grossed me out, by the way. Yikes. M-I-C-H-A-E-L. That's how you that's how you correctly spell the name Michael. He was spelled M-I-C-H-E-A-L. That's right, his parents didn't know how to spell. We'll have to delve deeply into super important topics like toilet paper and bidets. Classic me. I guess sports broadcasters apparently they're contractually obligated to give that little nugget of information that we've heard a million times already. Sounds like you're like underwater or something. Oh man. Oh. <laughs> That's another story. I'll probably rant about that one. And perhaps I'll lose whatever shred of respect I still had left from you guys. Yo, psychic. Wow. Or how about those people that spell lose with two O's? I'm almost certain I've mentioned that before. And when you think you're spelling the word loose, do you think it has three O's? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's real bad. No, it's really bad. It's apropos. Good word. And an incessant, good word, iteration, good word, behemoth, good word, scintillating, good word, diatribe, good word, myriad, good word, platitude, good word, putrid, good word, eviscerate him, good word, reiterate, is that even a good word? I've been growing a quarantine beard for the better part of two and a half months, and it's become possessed. Sorry, I'll get porn for the rest of you. I'm not one for hyperbole, but I might actually be the dumbest and the worst golfer in the history of the entire planet. Apparently, I'm just triggered about everything right now. I was, it seemed like I was really, really angry, eh? No, were you using the bidet during our show? Uh, well, I was, maybe. <laughs> Here's a pro tip. Don't be a f***ing asshole. If only there was a stats guy that could figure that out, eh? Golf is such a timeless sport. And yes, it is a sport. Anyone who says it isn't is a complete moron. Keep up the great work, Grant. Uh, uh, making me sound uh, pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. So without further ado, let's get cracking. Let's get cracking. Let's get cracking. Bang. Oh, man, that's <laughs> that's so funny. Oh, man, I was dying laughing over through that. That's... Uh, uh, man, that must have been so much work for you to have to put that together, Grant. But I, uh, I appreciate that so much. And yeah. it wasn't really because I just did it over time. I just added as a new podcast came out, and then 
uh, it was just, I like doing that stuff, right? I just like doing editing stuff like that. So it was fun to do and I'm glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, it was hilarious. Uh, man, I definitely had moments where it sounded like I was just super angry about a lot of things, eh? Which is, um, I like that. Yeah, I Try to make that a little bit of a theme. I don't know if anyone noticed. <laughs> oh, that is, uh, that's, uh, that's a hilarious gift uh, you gave me there. And I will also have one for you as well. Uh, um, uh, I will give you a gift for, for the holiday season, seeing that it is Christmas. So uh, uh, keep your eyes peeled for that. Uh, as it were. <laughs> okay. Wow. Thanks. Okay, cool. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Grant, for these episodes. It is, it is actually a pretty cool milestone to be uh, at episode 50, I, I must confess. And uh, couldn't have done it without you. And uh, cheers to 50 more. Glad to help. All the best. Happy holidays. And bang. <laughs> bang. As I said to Grant, that was so cool and thoughtful for him to do that compilation of some of my finest or worst moments. It was totally unexpected, and I'm stoked he did it for the Milestone 50th episode. Also interesting to hear about how he worked in television and how things have evolved since 1952, sorry, 1992, when he started in the business to where things are today. I can't get enough, by the way, of that motorboat story never gets old. You can follow him on Twitter at HeyNabesy, that's Hey, N-A-B-E-S-Y. Send him some love for making these pods sound so good. I sincerely want to say thank you to those who have listened to all these episodes. It's been fun bringing them to you guys throughout the past year. Merry Christmas to everyone. Stay safe and be well. Love you guys very much. Thank you for listening to episode 50 of the H-Dog Pod. Bang. This has been the H-Dog Pod with your host, Michael the Hound Dog Harrison. Bang. 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 Hey, welcome to... Cool. Six start. Okay, now welcome back on Grant Nabesy Roberts. You may remember him from when he was on episode 22 with the legendary tale, a baby. Well, I'm going to have to edit that one out there, Grant. Okay, now welcome on. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Blooper material. Holy.